Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. going to be really sad when nobody understands Ray Romano jokes anymore. No, he's I, in the Ice Age movies. The, the, mm-hmm. the millennials love those. Ray Romano, baby. The, with the last one which came out really eight though? years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, but it's in that weird nostalgia cycle. the cultural consciousness. Uh, well, it might be. Zoomers love the, the cat from Ice Age. No, yeah. wait. That's uh, they're horny Leary. for the cat. They're horny for the cat. <laughs> Everyone, yeah, gamers are horny for the stability provided by the Ray Romano. (laughs) They like how responsible he is. Let's cut over to Gable really yes. quick. Hmm. I'm at Gable, the helm. Gable, you're at the helm. Great job. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about what it would like be like to prepare for a combat situation on the helm. Gable, like the Uhuru technically does not have a formal battle master position right now. At least I don't think... Yeah, I have not uh, named a formal battle master. That's because, like, uh, usually the captain uh, is is taking that role in in conjunction with being captain. So you, as the helms person, have a little bit of authority over. You know, tactically, this is where I think we want to start out. And I, I'm just curious, how does Gable approach or prefer to approach ship to ship combat? You know, and given that your friends uh, on the ship are like Nodos and Wendell and the way that you like to fight, I think we can allow that to influence what you do to prepare. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of overlap between defensive maneuvering and just kind of the regular way you would drive a ship in in like inclement weather and things like that like it is easier to prepare the ship to defend itself than it is to be the aggressive to be a, an offensive ship you know and that's why i think we also prefer boarding if we're, we can get to situations where the the ship doesn't need to prepare for actual attacks that's it's too big of a ship to really maneuver in such a way that we can have that element of surprise, I think. So Gable isn't as comfortable with offensive maneuvering. So a lot of their preparations are just check-ins and making sure like, can we do the evasive maneuvers we need to? Can we like pull the heat and go high if we need to? But they are not as comfortable. And that's maybe why we need a battle master. They're not as comfortable with actual attacks and actual battle with the Uhuru itself. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So then Gable, I, I think you have, I'll ask you the tactical question. Uh, would Gable prefer to be in a position where it is easier to see potential threats or a position where it is harder to be seen by potential threats? Ooh. I'd rather see. I think the protection okay. of the protection of hiding goes both ways. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd rather see what you're up against. Yeah. So then I, I think very much Gable's call at helm is to hold course, but run checks and brace. So 
you know, there, there, there is no dramatic change to the ship's flight pattern. Uh, the amount of burn that the furnaces are running right now is the same. And everybody like who has access to it is, you know, like looking through a spyglass if they can, just kind of watching the horizon as the orange of the sun has like completely faded. And like now we're kind of at a bright and early time of night. I, I do. Um, I just had a silly idea. I do think that there's a maneuver that we prepare that's kind of this risky thing that we only do if we absolutely need to, where. Is there a way, like with the way Featherweave works, to suddenly cut off heat and drop very quickly through the sky yes. almost in free fall? Love that. Yeah. Yes. So I there think we is, prepared that. Yeah, th- there is absolutely a way to do that. And I'll explain. This would be a risky maneuver for a bunch of different reasons. And the Uhuru would be absolutely prepared for it. Generally speaking, in combat, your advantage is to be above your opponent that allows you to drop ordnance because the you know crude portion of any ship is hanging beneath the balloon like that allows you to aim cannons everything offensive that you could do would be from a higher altitude the the uhuru itself also is equipped with you know this jagged spike that can potentially cut feather weave to enemy ships which is something that really only works if you are going to ram a ship from above That also means the Uhuru with the guide sails on the side of the ship is very well equipped to dive and maneuver in a dive because that's how you make a move like that work. Mm. Um, That also means that if you are in a precarious position, the Uhuru definitely has the ability to do a quick dive to re-maneuver. What this would involve is not just directing the furnace heat away from the envelope, it would also mean crew on lines or up at the side of the envelope releasing some of the hot air in the envelope so that you would reach a point where you would start descending and that feather weave would start cooling. Mm-hmm. I love it's the idea. It's risky and rocky uh, for sure. I like the idea of who are having a reputation of doing wicked, dangerous, really fast dives mm-hmm. or just even like pushing an elevator button and all of a sudden like whoosh they're almost down to ground levels just to disengage real quick yeah and as an older ship like the uhuru also has the luxury of you have a full weave sail which means you can also gain altitude more quickly than definitely a lot of modern ships that are out there because they've been designed with envelopes that have smaller patches of weave that are doing more work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you are, you're preparing for a dive in case you need to maneuver around and that is the preparation that the Huru makes. I, I like that a lot. That also means that if there is sudden movement, like there is a general like bell call or something across the decks of the ship so everybody knows like hey if you're going to be on lines or something you have to be locked mm-hmm. in because we might do a dive and we don't want you to fly off the, the ship the orphan safety <laughs> oh. has to have like yep. a whole bunch of rings that they can hold on uh-huh. to uh, <laughs> for sure i think that's that's john's thing where it's uh, everybody buddied up yes show me your rings <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> we have a big box of carabiners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got more carabiners than the hip of a lesbian. <laughs> um, it's just carabiners Jeez. all across the walls everywhere. Jeez, uh, hey, I'm from Colorado. I don't know if that is a big thing for uh, lesbians elsewhere in the country, but I can tell you, Colorado lesbians love their carabiners. Um <laughs> So I, I want to cut over to Jonnet. Uh, Jonnet, you have like you've run your head count. Things are in place. What do you do now? Yeah, I think now we go to Jonnet moves to the the drop room because I think it's just a it's common practice now. We are trying to get above the target so we can see it as it comes below us, and then we will kind of reassess from there. So he's got a spot where he can go to where it's like a clear enough vantage point where he can see as much detail as he can of whatever the ship that we're going to be hovering, hopefully hovering over 
So we can like take that in. And if need be, then he's in a good spot to like drop a, a bomb. This is perfect. So you, you are on the lower levels of the ship, which is the place where you both move powder to for drops and also house the birds. Um, and Jonnet, I am going to need another perception check from you. Again? This one is average. Yeah. Jonnet, there's a lot that you have to perceive. Why? Okay, that's going to be one failure. Moving on. <laughs> you go, like, you, you move into the lower levels of the ship where you can hear that squawking of different birds and there's a, a flurry of activity. People are moving boxes back and forth. But you, you, I think, are moving towards the front hull of the ship so you can, like, peer through a window and, and get a good look at the sky around you. So you don't take in too much of the detail of everything that's going on here. Let's cut back to Travis and the captain. Travis, you feel this notebook that has, like, kind of been stashed. The reason it's noteworthy, your hand just kind of happened to fall in this position, and you can tell this notebook is sort of, like, strapped to the chair almost Secretly, like under you wouldn't the chair? keep a book here. Yeah, it's like kind of under the chair. Ooh, can I? I want to feel around and see how easy it would be to grab it without being obvious. Uh, well, that is a skullduggery check for sure. Oh, skullduggery! You say what's the difficulty? I don't think it's going to be too di- like uh, this is average. This is you're just palming a small object. This has got to be Travis's bread and butter. This is just not stealing a watch, so it's not his favorite <laughs> thing to do. Um, yeah, that's going to be three successes and an advantage. So, yo, okay, <laughs> no <laughs> one is going to notice. I already uh, you read can cover this, this book. up however you would prefer. Um, cool. Can I, I then? I want to kind of. I want to grab it. And I want to look at it before I decide what to do with it. If I can, like, get a peek at the cover and then sort of decide, okay, is this something that I want to hold on to for later? Or is it something that I want to restash and revisit later? Or is it something that I simply don't care about? I think, well, this is coming off of a triumph. So there is something about this book that indicates that it belongs to collectively the rowdy R's. Oh, and it was in the captain's or no, this, this is was the semaphore. In, yeah, it was in the, in the semaphore station. Oh yeah. Then I'm, the station. then I'm fucking taking this. So yeah, that's the situation you're in. What do you do? Well, so wait, so right now, I guess this, if none of the rowdy R's are here, this doesn't have to be a, or are they? Oh, it's so funny that you should mention no! that, Travis. I think you've given yourself the perfect excuse to re-examine the situation that you and the captain are currently in. It, you look, you know, you look at it like, oh, the rowdy R's, of course. Uh, then you look around the room, and who's with you here but Rondell, Rita, Ruth, and Rio? All rowdy R's. Oh no! Um, is there a way that I can just sort of let the captain know? Hey, keep your head on a swivel. We're we're in here with the rowdy R's because I have told him Mm -hmm. what's up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to you. There absolutely is, but you're going to have to tell me how you do it. Uh, Being aware that hand sign is pretty common, especially among people on skyships, because there would be periods where they just wouldn't be able to hear each other and they'd have to communicate through other methods. I mean, my joke answer is that I I say, (laughs) rut-row. Real talk. I know, and this is like a, I guess, a meta world metaphysics question. Mm-hmm. 
there's been instances where Oromar overexerts themselves doing spooky zombie shit. And that mm-hmm. has a pull on Travis. So yes. there is a, a, a way that we are spiritually linked. Um, I, I wonder if that works. Yes. In reverse. Oh, Let's go, Nathan. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. It, it depends on, like, I, I would say absolutely yes. <sighs> you do have a way of innately actually margaret fucking set it up like we know that travis can feel your emotions Mm. um so it's a question of how magically savvy travis is or whether or not he would have that idea he does know that right now he needs to communicate something to you Mm -hmm. and johnny it's really however you want to do it can i pull a luminary Yeah, I can I can pull a luminary. You for really you. do not want the paranoia force feedback that you might get if this goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so the luminary that I pull is the Rusalka. Uh, um, I mean, not I mean not certainly not the best, but also not the worst for your situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this situation, by the way, is giving off like massive Captain America Winter Soldier elevator scene vibes. Yeah. 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 Kind of love it. Okay. 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 The Rusalka is the temptress and her themes are temptation, desire, and longing. Uh, The divination is the prize you seek may be more dangerous than you have considered. Listen to the warnings given to you by friends and loved ones. There is more wisdom in those than you wish to hear. Mm. Okay. I think I know that we have some sort of connection, but I've never been able to make it go the other way. So I think what I want to do to make sure that the captain is keying into my thoughts rather than me. And what pronouns does the captain use? Because I feel like we maybe go back and forth and I want to make sure that I am using the correct words. Um, No, uh, he, he, him is generally across. Sometimes I'll just use they in a kind of like, we already know we're talking about Oromar, but it's he, him. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I do that too. Mm. Uh, So yeah, that's, there's reason for that confusion for sure. Cool. I blame James. Uh, It's my fault. So what I want to do is thank you all for your support. Of course, James. Yes, I want to think about the Bandit Queen so that the captain like keys into my brain. Mm -hmm. Holy shit! I love this move. I love this move. Ooh, this is so cool. And then, like, when he's in there, is when I want to be like, okay, sorry, but. Yeah. Yeah, dude. This fucking rules. Johnny, this is a divine check, but you get two blue dice because you know exactly how this connection works. Okay, divine. Ooh, yikes. And how how hard was that? I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say hard. I hate I hate that I have to say hard, but I think it is hard. It's pretty dramatic. Because you're it's using magic that you don't know how to use, really. That is simply one advantage. Mm. Simply. Okay. Okay, so what you were trying to do was broadcast out, like think and focus very hard on the Bandit Queen to try and rouse Oromar's attention. That doesn't work, but something else, because like you are doing something magically, something else is going to happen. Okay. You said it's a wash, right? It's a wash yep. with an advantage. So that does mean we pull a luminary at least. You're pulling a lot of luminaries today. And Lame. we pull the oh, loom. Yes. An airy. Which I know is love themed. So. Lots of a self-sacrifice yeah, yeah. It is toil, obligation, and sacrifice. Divination is something dear to you will ask you to pay a price. You have to give of yourself to save what you love. Travis, I think your brain goes on a journey. Hmm. In that, like, you're like, okay, I just need to imagine the bandit queen. I can do that. 
and you focus on the bandit queen and like because what you're trying to do is convey to Oromar the powerful emotions that he has surrounding a person that he loves but can't be with right now and like you try to broadcast that a little bit maybe you even like try to make eye contact with like hey bud I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the, the person that you're thinking about and, and that doesn't work and because of the very specific thing that you're trying to do your brain instead strays to Margaret mm. and you in, in your head you echo the memory of Gable why not mail Margaret and I think that sinks you into the spell part of what Margaret did she gave you a gift, a, a channel of communication between yourself and the captain so that you two could be more in sync with one another. And I think you do fail to communicate to Oromar, manipulating his emotions. But Oromar can feel a twinge of longing and heartbreak coming from you, mm. which is enough for him to pay attention to the connection. Mm. So because the luminaries favored you, you did succeed in this little bit of communication, even though you didn't quite do it the way you were expecting. Yeah. And this means I might get to talk a little bit about my, my head canon of uh, what Oromar's soul in the body looks like to the camera, which ah. is fun. Um, oh, yes. Mm. And it's hey. not even a head canon anymore. It's, it's about to yeah. be. Can it? So um, <laughs> it almost feels like the outline. I, I think in this moment where you kind of connect spiritually, we see both of us turn into black silhouettes, like we've been torn from space. And the camera like zooms in on Oromar's and there's like a glowing, uh, glowing entity that I think is Oromar's soul. I want it to be a really unnatural color to suggest that because it's otherworldly or dead, it's not like a, a color that appears in nature, like a fluorescent green or something. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, it could be the blue-green of ghost. Mm, we, there we go. referenced that before as something being associated with the yeah. Mariner. But something yeah. I, I like the idea. It's quite fluorescent. Uh, and especially since we've kind of talked about how Oromar's body has been programmed by Dref, uh, right down to kind of talking in metaphors like typing commands. Inside the silhouette of Oromar is this halfway between a spider web and a circuit board of these glowing green blue lines with Oromar's soul sitting at the center of it. And it is like running so many different simulations of the space of what different ships might be if it's this ship this is the opening move if it's this ship this is the opening move and i think in the middle of that we feel this wave of longing come in and i think it is a different color it is what travis's kind of like soul color is to which i will i'm more than happy to have you kind of set <laughs> oh oh i feel like okay this could either go two ways mm -hmm. either because he is so old i think his soul color might be very dull mm. because it's just like tired or because he dies every day it might be like super bright oh my mm. god um white like your hat. He's, I, yeah like a little baby oh yeah that's good what I, but but a distinct I, color from gable's soul color yes <laughs> different of course, of course. <laughs> just different enough they're not siblings <laughs> i like the idea of because uh, we're inventing like this new wing of of magic of like soul magic mm. here that yeah soul's look different based on how kind of attached and grounded they are to their bodies. Mm. If you met somebody who could like astrally project, you know, their soul might look like Oromar's when it's detached from their body, but when it's reattached because they have the ability to detach it, it looks different. If you saw the soul of a person who is very ill and about to die, it might have more of that greenish blue hue as the soul is starting to draw itself away from the body and onto a spiritual plane. 
For someone like Travis, who just gets fresh bodies every night and day, it is more firmly attached. Like his soul almost looks like a child's soul Mm. in that way. And he, you know, it, it is not even just that he is free from disease. He, he is free from, from all kinds of mortal ailments as a changeling. He is not vulnerable to death in so many different ways. So yeah, like Travis looks different than anyone else that you would look at, even if his soul registers as alive and well. Mm. So like these, um, or I, 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 I picture it as if it's kind of like motes of light or motes of dust that kind of pass through Oromar in this bright white. And it's kind of like, it, it snaps Oromar out of this kind of like uh, thought process. And the soul, not really, you know, there's no body to move around or to look around, but you feel that it's kind of like looking around to see what that is. Travis, you see basically the interior, the the, uh, or maybe feel... Oromar's body feels like the equivalent of an old mansion propped up by a million spider strings. Oh yes. my god, you know what I'm imagining right now is that where our souls are like sitting, you know in the Matrix mm. when Morpheus is first explaining everything to Neo and they're in like that dusty room on those big wingback mm. chairs with like the old-timey TV in the middle? That's kind of what it feels like cuz it's like this old like yeah, like dusty spider webby place. Yeah, it, it's it's all if 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 even but two or three of these strings were removed, you fear that this entire space might collapse. It's mm-hmm. taken a lot of work to get it to operate the way it has. <laughs> but yeah, Oromar notices this feeling of longing, and I think the soul actually says, and you can hear, I guess, Oromar's voice, which you might not have heard for a very long time, I guess. Uh. Why am I thinking of... That's not who I... Wait. Matago? It worked. Now is not a good time, but also... Why can I hear you? Well... How much time do you have? That's a joke. Not much. We can discuss this later. Why we're here... But I wanted to let you know, just keep your eyes peeled, because basically everyone else in the room with us is, you know, wants you removed. All of them. I mean, anyone whose name starts with an R. We walked straight into, does that mean that the ship was there preparing as well? I don't, I, as of now, you know as much as I do. I can't believe I've been so blindsided by this. I thought I had planned for this adventure. It's fine. It's fine. We can rationalize this through. How many uh, rowdy R's are in the room? It's just four. It's just, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Orma says, it's just four. If but one of them takes a step forward, then... It'll just be us two in a short period of time, if it comes to that. I refuse to be caged again. I'm right there with you. And luckily, uh, on this ship, we're some of the least likely people to actually be able to be killed. So that's, you know, one in our favor. Uh. I still don't know why you're so willing to fight by my side, Travis Matago, but on this particular occasion, I will take it gladly. Well, uh, you know, before everything, you did offer me a home. And, if I'm being honest, I feel a little guilty. I feel like I kind of owe you one. But I, but after this, we're even. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the, in the real world, for a small period of time, Oromar Vale's face softens, and you have not seen his expression, like, visibly change. Like, the muscles in his face slacken a little bit. And I'm not quite sure what expression it would be in a kind of, like, a tired thank you, the face that somebody would give if they were kind of like, <laughs> oh. 
um, their face slackens like that for a very short period of time. In fact, I'm almost, I'm very happy to have one of the rowdy R's in the room who might be looking at Oromar notice that his expression changed. Mm-hmm. The body stance doesn't change. Nothing else changed, but the face expression softens Just like- briefly. <laughs> Like he suddenly hit a moment of peace in a very tense circumstance. Uh, mm. Now, if it's all uh, the know, same to over you, and out. get out of my body. <laughs> you feel it oh, for sure, like for sure. a push, a gentle yes. and then increasing severity push. Like, please. Yeah. We're going to use this for so many pranks. <laughs> At this... Travis, you realize you are on the floor. (laughs) Um. Hey, heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, voting for the 2021 Any Awards is open. What are the Ennies? It's an RPG award show hosted by the EN World Forums. And currently, a one-shot network show is nominated for Best Podcast. Asians Represent has been nominated as Best Podcast for the second time in a row. Last year, they took home the gold, and this year, I'm hoping to watch them do the same. If you'd like to support Asians Represent and the One Shot Network, head to any-awards.com, that's E-N-N-I-E-awards.com, and follow the links to cast your vote. Not only is Asians Represent up for recognition, but the Party of One podcast is also up for best podcast. Party of One is, of course, hosted by Jeff Stormer, who co-hosts All My Fantasy Children on the One Shot Network, and was such a lovely guest for All My Fantasy Skyjacks. If you haven't already, please take some time to support our shows and our friends. Heroes, do you love Skyjacks but feel like there just isn't enough of it? Well, it sounds like you need some Skyjacks Courier's Call in your life. Courier's Call is the all-ages spinoff of the campaign Skyjacks podcast. Still set in the world of Sphere, Courier's Call follows around a group of teenage apprentices of the Swiftwell Courier Service as they make deliveries, right wrongs, and do mercies across the world of Sphere. The Courier's Call story intersects with the main campaign Skyjack's timeline, and there is plenty of opportunity to learn new lore about the world of Sphere. So pull up your favorite podcast app and search for Skyjack's Courier's Call today. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. John Johnstone, thank you. Adrian Tab, thank you so much. Lena Hester, thank you. John Matthews, thank you so much. Matt Hales, Thank you. Devin Tisher. Thank you so much. Jeff. Thank you very much. Callum McDonald. Thank you. Neam Hemingway. Thank you so much. Flavio Mortarino. Thank you. Vivian Chu. Thank you so much. Greg. Thank you. Eric Parker. Thank you very much. Jeffrey Vandergoot. Thank you. M. Gillette. Thank you so much. Grace Wines. Thank you very much. Jin Anderson. Thank you. Margaret. Oh, thank you so much, Margaret. Chris McBride. Thank you. Daniel Soden. Thank you very much. And Sage B. Thank you. Thanks again to everyone for supporting us on Patreon. Without your support, we wouldn't be able to produce this show. Heroes, I swear we have new content coming to the Secret Archive soon. I just need the time to sit down and edit it. Uh, I had a very good week writing this week, so I should hopefully be able to get that up for you in the near future, or at least the first part of it. And if you want access to that and all of the other great bonus content we have in our Secret Archive, and to support the network at the same time, the only way to do it is head to patreon.com slash podcast and sign up to become a supporter. That money pays everyone who's involved with the show, and it helps us make a better program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Travis, you realize you are on the floor. There are two of those rowdy R's standing at your side going, what happened, Medico? I fell on the floor. What does it look like? <laughs> okay. Are you, are you okay? Yeah. Do you need to? Do I need to what? You should, you should get to the medical quarters. We, we, we don't need you our, here. Our doctor's dead. I don't know. Take Fair a point. pill. Fair point. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> what a great excuse. <laughs> We've not yet replaced him. Yes. <laughs> Have you never fallen before? Uh, like, everybody kind of, like, looks at each other around the room. It's not normal to fall. Nobody just falls. What? I, That's unusual. I That's something that you should time. check on. I fall all the time. Oh, my God! <laughs> As they begin to, like, argue, there is a loud, like, stomp of a boot in the background where Orimar, obviously not verbally able to kind of get their attention, instead stamps on the ground. Intention fills the room. I think there is a... Almost as if, like, a conductor signaling to an orchestra, gesturing in one hand, you're distracting. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. (laughs) And then very loud, almost intentional plodding footsteps towards the lantern and like a almost as if it's kind of almost huffily i think uh, ormo's playing it up just a hair looking out to the night sky <laughs> hands behind back very kind of like hmm jonnet we cut to you You were looking out like one of the front areas of the ship, you know, trying to to watch the the horizon to see if you could see anything. I was thinking because on our first, when we took down the civility, I think Jonnet's post may have been different. I think it's probably, we can, you know, add a game, just be like, yeah, in that time he's been given more responsibilities and now is like, put in the the bombing room but i think he was actually up above deck you know you doesn't matter for the (laughs) civility for the attack on the civility you boarded the civility so like the operation then was totally different okay cool cool, cool. um yeah so i I feel like your responsibilities right now can be kind of whatever you want them to be you are on a pirate ship and pirate ships are deliberately overstaffed. So there isn't always a job for everyone all the time. Cool. Well, then I'm where we're talking. Let's go. I think after like a bit of tensely watching the horizon, I want you to make a decision for me. If Jonnet doesn't see something immediately, would he try harder to look or would he do something else? I, this is, yeah. Go I think at that, and just kind of knowing that it is like Jonnet's position feels a little bit fluid. It's like as long as you can ensure that the that the orphans are safe and like buckled in, you can float a little bit. And so I think there is a moment where we know that we're going to try and get above above the ship. And so he tries to get like a good vantage point, but he can kind of float a little bit more. So it probably like oscillates between where's like a like a like a no dose in this like situation because no dose is always also like a boarding party kind of person right yes I imagine on a half musters people like Nodos and Wendell would hook into the main mast basically stay a top deck until there is like one of the grapplers has like 
caught another ship and is ready to reel them in so that they can swing over and start their main attack. Or, you know, they're preparing as Nodos does like the zip lines to a ship that is lower than them so that they can jump down and board. Yeah. So, so, so John, it's like watching, watching, nothing, watching. And so at a certain point, he's like, I'm going to go above deck to just like see what's going, see if I can like get any kind of other information, then he's going to like run up to- Make a hard cool check. Hard cool. That's absolutely a character from Hackers. Hard cool. Hard cool. (laughs) I'm hard cool and I'm almost in. (laughs) Hey, my first name is hard. Hmm. Another thing, (laughs) John, it could stand to get better at. (laughs) Cool. Rough day for old Kessler. Two failures. Okay. Jonnet, you turn away from there and you realize like it doesn't look like anybody's below you. Mm-hmm. If somebody was below you, you're pretty confident that you would have seen them by now. So going top deck is, is your next instinct. So you turn around and start running towards the stairs and you turn to call out to the people who are down here. And what you said, it was failures? How many? Just two failures, two failures, was it? Okay. So you turn to the people who are down here who have, like, still, the whole time that you have been looking, there's been a lot of moving things around. You turn, and what you don't see are the, you know, small barrel casks that are packed with powder and grape shot that you would expect people to be readying near ports. Instead, you can see that Metatron has kind of been awkwardly led out of his cage and into a common area. He currently has a hood on, which is, you know, what you would put on birds and falconry when you kind of want them to chill out. It's blinders and, you know, it kind of makes them feel like it's night. He also has a muzzle on, which is something that, like, Gable has, but almost never needs to put on these birds because they're good and well-behaved. Lucas, now that you are in this different part of the ship, you can hear that Lucas is squawking angrily and pecking at the bars of his cage as you can see in Metatron's sitting area, in Metatron's roost, there is a large amount of cargo boxes that have been moved there. And you can see very distinctly that one of the crates, one of the larger crates that is there, is the heavy reinforced crate that has the spare feather weave that you captured from the civility. And as your mind makes these connections, you look around and notice that the people standing around you right now moving boxes are Rachel, Ramona, Rich, and Rick. Hmm. Rowdy R's. <laughs> you call you you're halfway through calling this out when you feel behind you two very large, very thick hands grab your arms and shoulders. And we're going to cut Ugh. now. Let's cut to Gable. Gable, you are at the helm. And I don't notice anything wrong. Do I? Oh, here's what it is. You feel like you hear something faint. It's hard. Like, right right now, you, you are on the top deck of a ship. You are flying with mostly on maintained heats. The furnaces aren't burning very hard. This is one of the most silent times that you really get on the top deck of a skyship. Everything is kind of held still and taut. Uh, Most people are looking for trouble, but everyone at the same time is also kind of holding their breath. It's probably mostly because the thing that you hear is very faint. It sounds... Something like between a grunt and and a squawk. Almost like the most pathetic animal that you can possibly imagine. 
your brain almost convinces yourself that you, you mustn't have heard anything at all. But then, very faintly, on the wind, it happens again. And now you know that you've heard it. And also, next to you, the helm on a skyship is very complicated. There are, you know, the port starboard steering that you get out of the wheel, but there's also like lever systems and whatnot that are there to signal to the furnaceers to maintain altitude and other wheels that are used to like control the guide sails and whatnot. It is a much more complicated helm rig. Next to you on one of these rigs as well, like someone goes stiff and alert. And of course it is Jane. And the two of you rush over to the side of the Uhuru at the same time to see Pliff on the side, kind of in the most badass position you've ever seen him. He's got a knife in his hand. And I'm going to say, this is a knife that you lent to him on the camping trip. So, like, he's stabbed that into the side of the ship. He's got his other hand on a rope, and he is literally climbing up the side of the Uhuru right now. And he looks pretty cool for a second, and then the rope kind of slips, and then all of a sudden he's got two hands on the handle of the knife, and he's, like, dangling from the side, and he makes this sound again, which isn't quite a scream. It's more like, (laughs) What do you do? Uh, Get get him, get him. (laughs) Something, I do Uh, something. uh, What are you doing down there? (laughs) I I think there's a broom and both me and Jane like try and like get him, uh, grab, grab on, grab (laughs) onto the broom. Use your hands. <laughs> oh, that's uh, so. Yeah, like there are a few moments of of real struggle as Pliff does grab onto the broom with one hand, but does try to dislodge the knife that he was hanging from because he doesn't want to just abandon the knife that you gave him because he's too considerate, even in a situation like this when his life is in peril. Let go. Let go. Let go of that. Let go of it. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I need, I will get another one. I need you to grab the broom. Okay. And like after some commotion, you are able to pull him up immediately. Like Jane hauls him off the side of the ship, grabs him in like an embrace, pulls back from that embrace and slaps him across the face. What are you thinking? And Pliff looks up. Uh, uh, they, they tried to, they tried to drop me. They, they tried to cut me loose from the bottom of the ship. Who? Who did? Uh, I don't know. The, the people in the cargo bay. I don't know names people. very well. Oh, God. Am I rude? <laughs> I'm going to look around real quick. Who is around me? I think we've got Bowser has been on the other side of your helm. Thank like, you. We're really paying attention to the folks who were in that uh, helm class with you. Mm-hmm. So we do have Bowser there. You can look at like this it definitely has an overlooked position uh, towards the main mast of the ship where you can see uh, the beefy boys. Wendell and Nodos are, are, are strapped in. So, like, you've got kind of like Gable's group together here. Okay. Oh, I'm going to do something stupid. Let's go. Everyone hooked in? Jane grabs the carabiner that's on Pliff's hip and just, like, straps him in. Everyone is now. Gable flips the ship. Full flip. We're flipping. <laughs> okay. Yes. So a full flip, I think, would be impossible. Sure. What we could do. <laughs> I we could easily One. do is a dive. We're gonna a do dive a listing dive that would be extremely disoriented. We're gonna do a dive that's like at a very extreme angle. Okay. This is great. Before this happens, I have an extremely important question for Nathan. Hi, 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 hello, hello, hello. <laughs> um, Nathan, you are not only playing the captain mm. of the ship, you are playing right now the de facto admiral of the fleet owned by the Uhuru, which so includes like the pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This includes the flagship, the Uhuru, and also mm-hmm. the recently captured ship, the Mazinga 
Uh, mm. The Mazinga is captained by Hornet the Wasp Beeman. Um, ah, yes. And it is a captured vessel from the Church of the Slain God. It is a smaller ship. It is a kind of a luxury liner of a ship. Mm. And the question that I have for you is, where is the Mazinga right now that is not here? Oh, I see, I see. I really like the idea that it's almost like one step behind in the adventure. So they are currently in Ngoni. I think Hornet is doing a bit of a globe trotting for new recipes to bring back to the ship kind of ideal going right now. We have a separate enterprise going <laughs> where it is a, 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 a kind of like a cultural fusion cuisine trade <laughs> thing going. People are very closely guarded on cooking secrets. And at some point when Oromar succeeds in all of his plans and finally retires in his end state, he is going to release a book of the world's fascinating like cuisines. And there, then Hornet is kind of helping during the research phase. I uh, adore this. <laughs> I adore this. So, yeah, like, well, we are a couple weeks out of Ungoni at this point. So I, mm. I, I'm going to say that probably what happened is they just departed from Ungoni maybe a day or two after. Um, mm-hmm. So and and you'd be maintaining a court like this is the rally point for where you were going to rally up with the bachelor party that that mm-hmm. departed the ship for for the short leave so i imagine that probably you were also at some point going to rally with the mazinga soon so mm. maybe the mazinga the mazinga is back towards ungoni probably like tomorrow or something is when you're supposed to rally up with the mazinga and mm. by then hopefully jonet should have figured out the new course for the ship so yeah, I, I really, really like that. So they were spending more time in Ungoni doing the research for this. This is good. I think at this point, you hear the tone of the heart bell. It is like that big sonorous hum, but this is not the heart bell ringing because of a list because uh, the ship suddenly drops that's going Mm -hmm. to happen very very soon when we have Liz roll for it Mm -hmm. Um, you hear that because there is a figure standing over by the heart bell that ooh is this in the same room as the kind of like semaphore area or yeah I I think so Mm mm-hmm so yeah, like this is by the semaphore area because otherwise we wouldn't be able to cut this dramatic picture. Mm. And you turn, you know that a toll of the heart bell would signal to the ship that this is like, you were at a half muster before, this would put out a full muster call uh, of mm-hmm. people readying themselves. And you turn and see Rocco. <laughs> Rocco is the worst He's a guy who sucks. As we have described him in the past, he wears a puffy pirate shirt that is sky blue, but it does have white cuffs and mm-hmm. a white collar. And I think he wears the pirate equivalent of a wide tie. He's also got suspenders and slick back hair. You see Rocco and we have a flashback. Flashback to before you went on your adventure to the island when you were talking to Calivar about bringing new crew onto the ship. Well, um, increased numbers is going to be beneficial to us in a number of ways, but are you sure that this particular list of recruits is ideal for what we have in mind? It breaks down to numbers at the end of the day, old friend. Hmm. We just need bodies. We need people to look impressive when we pull our ship up next to theirs. I understand your perspective, of course, but I don't like the idea of treating them as just bodies. Uh, Even as bodies that we have to feed and look after, if they got the impression that they were just numbers in the system, well, 
that wouldn't be endearing to them, would it? Or is just the kind of harsh reality of being a skyjack um, instilled in everyone's heart at this point? Well, that's what a quartermaster is for, isn't it? <laughs> too right, too right. Well, I'm sure then you also know that I don't, especially if we are going to be treating them as numbers, I don't like my numbers running around the page. I'll take care of the crew. I'll look after the crew. You focus on the big picture. Arma's, like, eyebrows kind of raise in a expression that Kalavar can understand intimately as, do you think so less of me? Like, uh, oh, okay, I guess you don't want me working with you on this then kind of expression. You've seen the stars. It's only a few weeks now. We're on its tail. I need you watching the stars. This, all of this, the extra crew getting birds onto the ship. This is for step two. You focus on step one right now. <laughs> uh, but we both know oh, I like to think five steps ahead. Very well. Very well. I am part of the... <laughs> uh, reason that we can work so closely is that even if I don't always understand you straight away after some rationalization I do believe in your judgment and I'm sure likewise you believe in mine and Calavar nods smiles and I you know you must have some kind of like handshake or sign oh no oh no the captain winks yeah Calavar winks back and uh, always, my friend. Always. Always. And uh, as if they hadn't had a passionate moment together at all, Oromar immediately turns on heel and moves away to whatever duties. Emotions immediately comp compartmentalized and stowed away. Perfect. Then we cut back to... I, I think you had this discussion as you, we can see, like, over your shoulders, you are standing a bit away from the audition table that gets mm. set up in front of the Uhuru <laughs> and the crowd of, of new crew that, that you are considering who are waiting on judgment from the captain's council of whether or not they'll get on the ship. And mm. in that crowd is someone with frosted tips and a puka shell necklace and a t-shirt that has been converted into a tank top. They're wearing like Birkenstock style sandals and pastel shorts with like a pattern on them, a slightly nautical pattern on them. And we do recognize this as a younger version of Rocco. Mm. Um, we ah. cut back into the future and Oromar knows this man at least the context of why this man is in his life. This is one of the people that Calvar picked to add to the crew before you found the island and went mm -hmm. on that fateful boarding party. We return once again to the long line of colorful characters that are lined up waiting for their chance to audition to be a part of the crew of the notorious skyship Uhuru. A man who is dressed in a suit uh, that uh, appears to not have a crease or fold in it. Everything is perfectly pressed and proper. Uh, steps forward. He presents a... Um, a uh, headshot and resume uh, and also with them uh, uh, release forms uh, that allow you uh, after agreeing to terms of service to uh, see and read uh, the headshot and resume presented um, before he takes a seat. 
Wait, so I have to sign this before I can read and see your resume and headshot? That is correct. The terms uh, seen on these headshots and resumes may change and are subject to change as according to Section 6. Wow, they are actually live updating as I'm reading them. Fascinating. This is, is this some kind of enchanted paper or ink? This is not enchanted ink. It may be enchanted ink. We haven't checked. <laughs> um, I'll be, I'm, not, I'm not signing. I'm simply not signing. I, I'm very sorry to hear that. Well, if if I sign, that sorry is licensed for that statement only. <laughs> if I sign, can I look at it and then describe um, to to my uh, my friends? Yes, description can only be through pantomime. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's great for a podcast. John it John it takes out uh, a little quill, dips it in some ink, and gives his signature and then- yeah uh with, with, with that uh uh the the person will stand up uh pull back the agreement and you'll be able to view the headshot and resume okay both of these are blank come on <laughs> <laughs> i'm seeking an entry-level position for this group <laughs> you're some kind of lawyer or uh, attorney or my name is Alistair Ritt uh, that name license for the purposes of this conversation only and I am just someone who likes to be very clear and likes to make sure that everybody understands the terms so that we, we, we can enter a comfortable operating business agreement not a fan I like a, I like a lot of room to breathe <laughs> All right, so you're here. You're here for a position on the Uhuru, and I'm you. You, the way you phrase your words and sentences makes me feel you're like you want to be a contract lawyer on the ship. Am I far off? I I don't want to be a contract lawyer on the ship. This statement only pertains to the fact that a contract lawyer may or may not be an entry-level position on your ship. If it is available, it is a spot that I will take. It's not entry-level, though, because a, a lawyer— So it's, you're just, like, walking position. around with fine print? Uh, here's the thing. On the Uhuru— On the Uhuru— the, we, the, I'm sorry, the where? <laughs> the Uhuru— the cute little uhuwu. Where? where the uhuwu. What is the ship? The uhuwu-woo-woo. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. All right. I'm just going to vote no because now <laughs> I have to go defend myself and I'll, this is going to be the next four hours for me. So I'm, I'm just going to vote no. John it. Way to pronounce the name of the ship. <laughs> Real cute. You are outside the window of the ship. Get, what, get out. Get, get out of here. No, no, I don't wanna. Right, you know what? Fine, I'll leave. I'll leave. You guys want to do these 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 interviews? I'm done. I'm done. Johnny, Johnny gets up. No, he, 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 oh wait, Johnny, 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 Johnny. Before before you go, before you go, uh, uh, overboard HR manager for the Uhuru. I I I need you to sign this form. Uh, a lot of people just submitted a request that we call you the Uhuru guy. Uh, for, for he takes <laughs> takes the sheet of paper, rips it in in a bunch of different shreds throws it in the air and then he he storms out and then he comes back and he goes to the he goes to the front of the line of the all the prospective uh cli- interviewees for the uhuru and then he shoulder bumps every single one of them <laughs> you don't want to work here uh, 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 sir and no he just cutting. goes down sir, the hall no cutting <laughs> gable do you think it's maybe uh, a problem for the young lad's development if we continue to pick on him in such an intense manner <laughs> Oh no! It 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 depends on certain circumstances. Uh, I think being bullied for being too cute is uh, for fully within the realm. Of ah, character good for a growing boy. Indeed. <laughs> that's why. In that's that case, why I'm you may okay continue with continue the shameless ribbing. I approve. <laughs> yes, that's why I'm okay with taking so much abuse because I know it's just because I'm so cute. 
Okay. Mm. Uh, and uh, then the the camera slowly closes a, uh, in around Travis. So there's a ring around his face, and he winks at the camera. Uh, Ain't uh, I a stinker? <laughs> <laughs> and, Who is this and man? That's all for that one, folks. That's all, <laughs> folks. <laughs> all right. Campaign Skyjacks is a one shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Do you love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of Dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist. Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of Agatha's beloved air horn app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.